everyone in the house. I've been doing a series on memorials, memorial offerings, and the series is entitled, Are You Building a Memorial Offering? Is your life being a memorial offering? And I want to speak specifically this morning to, to men, uh, not just dads, to men. And when I started this series, I started by drawing our attention to something in the Old Testament. And in particular, it was the ephod and the breastplate that the high priest would wear. And the reason why I drew everyone's attention to that is because God deliberately announced to Moses that when you build these garments, I want you to put memorial stones on them. And though it was something very unique, the ephod was uh, the garment, the outer garment, and it had shoulder straps. And on the shoulder straps, on the right and on the left, he said, I want you to get a black onyx stone, a precious stone, and I want you to put it in a gold setting and let it be the thing that joins the front and the back of the outer ephod. And on that stone, on the right-hand side, I want you to list the first six born sons uh, of Israel. And I want you to put their names on, your, on the shoulder stone. And then the same on the left. And if we're going to look at the scripture, it's in, Eph in Exodus chapter 28. And I'm going to read it to you just very briefly. Exodus chapter 28, starting with verse 9 to 12. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth. Six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Can I have the next verse? Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Two things. The onyx stone represents a precious stone. And God engraves your name into the stone. You know, once something is engraved into a stone, it's not easily removed. And what God is saying is that your worth and your value is engraved in what he considers precious. And secondly, he says engrave it so that it's like a seal. We are sealed forever in God's heart. Can I get an amen? He says, then mount the stones in gold filigree settings, verse 12, and fasten them on the shoulder places of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as memorial stones. You see, it's not just memorial offerings. We're called to live lives that are memorial. We're called to live lives that stand out before God. We're called to live lives that stand out even in a world that needs heroes who will stand out and stand up. Can I get an agreement here? Amen. Absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> he goes on to say, Aaron is to bear those names on his shoulders as a memorial before 
the Lord. And every time the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies, God would see on his shoulders the names of the tribes of Israel. And uh, two things I want to point out. Number one, these precious stones. God sees the nation as precious in his sight. But he also wanted the, the high priest to see that the nation, the tribes, the people are precious. As it is in God's heart, so be it in our heart. And so God would have them wear it on their shoulders so that they understood, number one, it was their responsibility to carry the nation before God. Every time the priest went into the Holy of Holies, they were conscious they're carrying the responsibility of leading the nation before God on their shoulders. And God engraves the names of the people by their tribes. And he's saying, they're precious in my eyes. But he's also saying, when he asks the priest to wear it, he's also saying, I want the people to be precious in your sight. I know that when I first was called into the ministry, I had a passion and a love for people. And in the early days when I was, before I was actually a minister, uh, I was training, I was training to be a youth pastor, and God spoke to me very clearly in the, in the passage where Peter had denied Christ three times before the crucifixion, and then after the resurrection, Jesus comes to him to reinstate him. And he asks this question, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, of course I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Now that sounds like a really wackadoo thing. Uh, you know, here's a guy, he just betrayed Christ. And Jesus is saying, if you love me, I want you to feed my sheep. Three times this question was posed to Peter, and three times Peter said, yes, I love you, and each time God said, feed my sheep. And when I was a young man, getting ready to enter into the ministry and having been the, the son of a pastor, having passion for people in my heart, God said, sometimes the sheep will frustrate you. Sometimes the sheep will bite you. Sometimes when you're shearing them or massaging oils into them, you know the, the shepherd would massage oil over their heads so that the flies would not be able to lay eggs, their maggots, because the maggots would then get into the eyes or in the rear part of the body and eat their way through and destroy the lamb. Uh, I lived in Australia for 29 years, and uh, Juliet, our piano player, obviously comes from Australia too, and she and her husband, her late husband, used to have sheep on the property. And it was very common that sheep, if the back end of the sheep was not shorn on a regular basis, all of that fur would start to be a gathering place for poop. Okay, And then the, the flies would come and lay eggs in it and the maggots would crawl up the backside of the sheep and get to the brain and you'd find the sheep in a paddock walking around in circles aimlessly. And so the shepherd would 
massage those parts of the body with oil so that the flies couldn't lay their maggots in them. And uh, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a lovely sermon topic, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's enough to distract anyone. Even I don't know why I brought it up. I mean, that's, that's just fantastic. Lord, you better help me connect the dots again. <laughs> yes, thank you. She's listening. Thank you. <laughs> and, and so God says sometimes when you shear the sheep around the rear end for their own good, sometimes they'll kick you. And you might not always love the sheep after a while. And this is what God said to me very clearly. He said, but if you love me, you'll keep feeding the sheep. God engraved on the stones that were on the high priest's shoulder so that, number one, he never forgot it was his responsibility to carry the nation before God. They were in precious stones so that he would never forget they're precious to God and therefore they need to be precious to him as well. Is that making sense? And then there was a breastplate. And on the breastplate he used 12 different precious stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And on each stone was engraved the name of that tribe and he would carry it on his breastplate. Because it wasn't just the priest's solemn duty to carry the people before God. He had to do it with his heart. And sometimes we attend to our responsibilities because it's our due diligence. Because it's the thing we have to do. But the priest had to remember they were not just precious in God's heart, uh, eyes. They were precious in his heart. And so the priest, when he ministered to God and talked about the nation to God, he had to do it from a place of heart, not a place of criticism, not a place of vengeance, not a place of anger, but a place of heart where he could empathize with the people of the nations and empathize with their weakness, and out of compassion and out of mercy, minister to God on behalf of the people with a heart of love. Now, how many of you agree that that's something every priest should do? Right? No matter how laborious the job becomes, no matter how tedious, how many of you agree that Pastor Rob and all the pastors of the church should minister like that? You're allowed to say yes. I won't take it as a criticism. Come on, right? I want a better yes than that. Great. Now that I have your involvement, and every one of us are called to be priests before God. We are. And every man is called to carry on his shoulders the responsibility of bringing his wife and his family before the Lord. And God wants us as men to see 
that they are precious in his sight so that they'll be precious in our sight. And God wants us to understand that it's not only our responsibility and our God-given privilege to be priests in our home and to carry our family before the Lord, but to carry them with heart, to carry them with love, to carry them with compassion, to carry them with the understanding that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd make the same mistakes. A little bit harder to say amen. Can I get an agreement that all priests should be like this? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, being a leader today, and I'm talking to all of you, men and women. I'm not talking about me. It includes me. But I'm not talking about me. You are called to be leaders. And it's a little challenging to be a, a godly leader in a godless world. The opinions are so contrary to the opinions of God. The ways of the world, the thinking of the world is so violently different, even violently opposed to God's thinking. And so sometimes, <laughs> thank God that the things of God don't, aren't subject to a democratic process. Because if it was, the majority would win the vote and we'd have to live the way the world says. But God's word is absolute truth and it's not subject to a democracy. God's word is perfect and God's ways are perfect. And we're called to be leaders in a world that is leaderless. Oh, we have leaders on both sides of the political camp. But they're not leading by the Spirit of God. We want men and women to make good political decisions when the best decisions are going to be decisions that are born out of the Spirit of God and they are heard from the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen? And the best qualified people to do that is the church of Jesus Christ. And every one of us are called to be priests. Every one of us are called to be leaders. I accentuate men because so often when it comes to spiritual things, men want to abdicate and let the wife lead. She's the sensitive one. She's the one who, you know, she gets all emotional and that's more her thing. No. Not according to the word of God. There is my, neither male nor female. And every one of us are meant to rise up and be leaders in a world of darkness. To be leaders in a world of confusion. To be leaders in a world that is leaderless. Amen. And we're meant to lead with heart. And so the high priest had the precious stones on their shoulders because they had a responsibility to lead the nation before God. We have a responsibility to lead our families before God. But then he had them on their heart because we don't just do it out of due diligence. 
We don't just do it out of obligation. We do it out of the passion and the compassion that God has towards us. Do you know God is passionate about you? He doesn't just have compassion. God is passionate about you. When you first fall in love, you are passionate about that person. You start thinking of ways that you can, when you pick her up or you meet him next, that you'll be able to give them a little surprise or let them know how valuable they are in your eyes. God's passion for us never ceases and it never wanes. He is always passionate. I want you to understand God isn't just compassionate towards his sons and daughters. He's passionate about his sons and his daughters. Amen. Do you know, I, I believe this with all my heart. And you could think I'm funny or strange or arrogant or whatever. But, yeah, and all the above. God is so passionate about me that when I come to church and I preach, he sits in the front row and cheers me on. And I want you to have the same view of God. He's not just the God who has compassion. You know, when we think of God only in terms of he has compassion on us, it's this perfect God who loves and forgives these bumbling idiots. He's not only a compassionate God because sometimes I do make stupid mistakes and I need his compassion. But God doesn't look at me like a bumbling idiot. He has passion for me because he loves me with a love that cannot wear out. Come on, give him a praise offering this morning. And so God put 12 precious stones on their chest so that when they would minister, they would minister with the passion of God and the compassion of God. Amen. I want to share this thought to all the men. And this applies to you as women as well. Wear your ephod. See your family as precious in God's eyes so that they'll be precious in your eyes. If we're honest as human beings, sometimes flesh can irritate flesh even when it's our own kid. And just like Jesus said to Peter, but do you love me? Then keep loving them. We have to remember how much God loves those who are around us so that we will love them and see their value the way God sees it. I give you permission to, to talk. I give you permission to turn to somebody and say, that was a good word. Wear your ephod. You have a responsibility. Every one of us as priests of this new covenant have a responsibility to take this nation before God. To take our families before God. To minister to God and minister to 
our family in prayer and intercession and in worship. Can I get an agreement? And as we do that, wear your breastplate. Do it from a position not of frustration, not of anger, and not of vengeance, but out of mercy and out of compassion and out of grace. Praise God. In Proverbs, well, here, let me say this. Train your family and advise them in the ways of the Lord. We have the ability and we have the responsibility. We have the ability and the responsibility to shape their values, to shape their priorities. And their values and their priorities won't be what you tell them to be. Their values and their priorities will be what you made your values and priorities. Train up a child in the way that it should go. And when it's old, it won't depart from it. And we train not by what we say. Because kids, how many of you have noticed, kids don't really do what you say necessarily. But they will do what they see. Hello? Amen. And so as parents, as dads, as moms, we have the honor and the privilege of shaping value and priorities. I can tell my kids to put God first. But they won't put God first because I said so. They will put God first because I did so. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to jump down to uh, Proverbs chapter 3. I love this proverb and... Um, <clears throat> This is something God showed me when I first started to prepare to come into the ministry. I knew God was calling me into full-time service. I wasn't in ministry at the time, but I knew God was calling me. And I used to spend a, quite a bit of time in the Word. There was a period where the Holy Spirit had led me to pray and fast often that when I was called to be in the ministry and when I would preach that I wouldn't just preach sermons but that I would preach principles. Principles. And I want to share a principle with you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 to 4. This is what it says in scripture. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. We find the nice piece of jewelry and we put it on a necklace, whether we're men or women, and we put it around our neck and we wear it. And the Bible says, see love and faithfulness as a precious stone and bind it around your neck and write love and faithfulness on the tablets of your heart. Isn't it interesting that the high priest, over his heart, 
he had the precious stones that represented the 12 tribes and he engraved their names on it. I love this. It says, write them on the tablets of your heart and then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and in the sight of man. And that passage of scriptures made a huge impact on me as a young man. The word love, if we can put it up real quick, kesed, and it means show favor, do good deeds, be kindly, be, demonstrate loving kindness, merciful kindness and mercy. And then the next word, faithfulness, if we can put that on the screen as well, Emeth, emeth, and it means show firmness, as in being faithful to principles of truth. Be faithful to truth. Sometimes we want to be faithful to people ahead of being faithful to truth. There is a divine order to everything. And if you are faithful to people before you are faithful to truth, you will compromise the truth of God just to win favor. And what will happen is the whole thing is upside down and it will collapse. Now, I know that deserved a better amen, but you're thinking about it. I know you're thinking about it. You see, so often... The dilemma is we want to be faithful to our buddy. We want to be faithful to a friend rather than faithful to the truth of God. That's, that's, a, that's principle. When we're faithful to truth, you're actually loving your buddy more when you're faithful to truth than when you're just faithful to a friendship. Because when you're faithful to truth, your friend who might be in error, you are showing him the light and giving him a compassionate, loving way out of his error. But when we're just faithful to a friend at the expense of truth, they will be lost and we will follow because of compromise. Compromise, think about it. The logic of compromise will never take you to higher ground It'll always take you to a lower place. That was good, wasn't it, Chrissy? That just came to me. I thought that was good. The very nature of compromise, it won't take you to a higher place. It'll always take you to a lower place. A common lower denominator. And so we need to be faithful to principle. Be faithful to principle even before you're faithful to friends. Because if you're faithful to principle, you are showing that you are faithful to God and your faithfulness to God will end up being faithfulness to a friend. Hello? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when it speaks of faithfulness, it speaks of faithfulness to principles of truth, faithfulness and relationship as well. 
But if I'm going to have relationship with you, every one of you here would agree with me that as your pastor, I have a relationship with you, but I will be the best pastor if I'm faithful to truth. If I'm just faithful to people who give big sums of money or faithful to people who are like me, faithful to people who have the same interests as me, I am not being faithful to you, period. But the more I am faithful to the truth of God's word, the more I am being faithful to you. And dads, it's the same. Mom, it's the same. Sometimes we're pressured to give our kids what they want, but we need to give them the best thing that we could give them, and that is being faithful to the principles of God's word. And so I want to sum up, thank you, I want to sum up this, this proverb. I wrote it out in what I, I believe the spirit of it is saying. So if we could put it up on the screen, guys, it starts with be the man. Be the man who lives consistently by principles. Be the person, be the woman who lives consistently by principles in contrast to the man who lives by the convenience of the moment. I believe this is what this scripture is saying. Be the person, be the man who lives consistently by principles. And when I speak about principles, I'm talking about the principles of God's word. You can't build your house on the rock if the principles of the, God, uh, of the word of God are constantly being negotiated based on the situation and the circumstances you're in. You can only build your house on the rock when you let the principles of God be the principles of God and everything else has to conform to the principle of God. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Be the man who lives or be the woman who lives. Be the young person who lives consistently by the principles of God's word in contrast to the person who lives by the convenience of the moment. Let's go to the second part of what this verse means. When you live like that, thank you guys, and I'll start to say it. When you live like that, God's smile and favor will be on you, and others will be drawn to you. When you live like that, when you're a person of principle and not a person of convenience based on the circumstances, when your yes is yes and your amen is amen and you live by a truth, whether it's going to benefit you or not benefit you, people will watch that, you see. People will see that. Be the man. Sorry, Tony, my fault. I told you to go to when you live like that. We actually skipped the second half. My apology. Can we backtrack? Here's the second half. 
Be the man that when others fall short of the principled life, you display both the kindness that understands and empathizes and the love that shows grace and mercy. Bind around your neck love and kindness, uh, faithfulness and, uh, what was it? Faithfulness and love. Bind them around your neck. We described what faithfulness is. We described what love is. So the second half of this verse, be the man that when others fall short of the principled life, you display both the kindness that understands and empathizes and the love that shows grace and mercy. Wow. I want to write those things in my character. I want to write those things in the tablet of my heart. I want to be a person of principle. I want to be a person who lives by principle. I want to be a person who doesn't compromise principle because it's not convenient this time. I want to live by the principles of God's standard and God's integrity and God's word. And I want to be the person that when others fall short of that principled life, that I will show both the kindness that understands and empathizes and the love that shows grace and mercy. Now we can go to that last line. I'm sorry I got it out of order. When you live like that, God's smile and favor will be on you and others will be drawn to you. You see, it's almost in today's world an oxymoron to be a person who has high values and high standards and yet when others don't reach those standards, you're a person who understands and empathizes and shows grace and mercy. And everyone respects that. Your yes is yes. Your amen is amen. You have one standard. And it's a standard you live by. And when others falter, there's grace, understanding, empathy, mercy, and forgiveness. And when you live like that, men, God's smile will be on you. And others will be drawn to you. Does that make sense? Amen. Come on, let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. You know what the best model is for a man? We often sidestep the model I'm going to talk about. We look at Jesus and we think, well, he's God. Yeah, he is God. But he became a son. 
and he became flesh. Why? To model who the new Adam is. And sometimes in looking for a pattern that we can be, subconsciously we almost push Jesus to the side because, well, he's God. No, Jesus became flesh and then modeled what sons of God look like. You and I were born into the first Adam, but if we ask Jesus Christ in our heart, we're born again into the last Adam and who he is and how he is is who's inside of us and what's inside of us. Jesus is the best pattern for a man or a woman. You know where I've learned to be compassionate and gracious? I learned it the many times that God had to pick me up and instead of whooping me, he loved me. Instead of yelling at me, he understood me. The greatest change in my life came from a time where as a young man, I had experienced revival in Australia in my father's church and came back to America and I started a backslide and I was angry at God and angry at everyone. And I went to this meeting where a prophet was going to be and I'm waiting for God to tell me off. And as I stood in that service, the first night, the prophet didn't say a thing to me. And I thought, okay, God, you want me to sweat it. I went back the next night expecting, okay, this is the last night the prophet's in town. I'm going to get it tonight. But if I have to get it between the eyes, I don't care as long as I get right with God. That was my attitude. And in the second meeting, the last meeting, in the middle of everyone worshiping, <laughs> I swear to you before God, I heard the audible voice of heaven. God spoke. And it was like a reverb. And his words went through me. And he didn't tell me what I did wrong. He didn't talk about my failures. What he said to me is, Rob, you know that you've been in sin. I don't have to tell you that. What I do need to tell you is how much I love you. <laughs> that broke me <laughs> into 10 million pieces. Because I had heard about God, but I never heard about this God. He was passionate about me even in my failures. And he loved me. And he loved me. And I would say that one experience with God changed me more than all my other experiences. Because I saw his heart. And so the best example to manhood and the best example to being a daughter of the king is how Jesus lived and how he loved.
Can I get an agreement? Amen. 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 Father, as we go our way today, whether it's to a restaurant or to our homes, and we celebrate Father's Day, I pray, Dad, that your heart, your Father's heart would be in all of us, men and women, and that we would see Jesus not only as God, but as God who became flesh, one of us, and he is our example. Holy Spirit, inspire men and women to take on the fullness of that Christ nature and to realize that if we're in Christ, the old is past and the new has come. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If there's anyone here that hasn't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've not made that step. I want to introduce you not to a God who's going to whoop you, to a God who's going to love you. Amen. I want to introduce you to a God who will understand you and be a dad like you've never experienced because even the best of dads can't come close to this dad. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, just quickly, while every eye is closed, raise your hand and say, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and as my Savior today, right across this room. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, today we just bless one another with your blessing. We bless one another with your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, we pray blessings all across this room on men and women, on single parents and family units. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 All right. We do have a, a photo booth where you can have photos taken up against a brick background. Men, uh, we, we put that up there especially so it has more of a guy kind of an image. Gather your family. Take a moment if you want in the foyer and grab your cell phones and have someone snap a picture. Happy Father's Day to everybody. God bless you. And we'll see you again next Sunday. Amen.